Akene always heard the music first. Achike gave him something different every time. Some days, Akene would open the front door and there would be Samuel Coleridge Taylor before him in Achike's hands. There might be Elga or Chopin, things Achike had taught himself, heard somewhere and reigned into his own keen fingers, reigned into himself and then played out, wild again, like the first time it was ever played. Or he might come home early from filming and Ekene would walk across the courtyard to an improvisation on something by Frank Ocean, something Achike had listened to on the way home. Something that made Ekene think of fresh air and cool evenings after long, hot days. Something of this was for Achike himself. He worked too hard these days, and he loved to leave hard work and bother behind. He loved to step off the tube and go step by step to his home and close the front door and hear the busy world continue just outside. He loved this feeling of safety, and so some of the pleasure in his music was for him. But what he did was not for him alone. His music was like offering joy. All his training and listening and the hours of practice were like joy, plated up and pushed across a table to a smile. Achike loved to play and think how his playing could be heard in the street. He didn't care if the neighbors had questions or might complain in the morning. They might and sometimes did. That was for them. But Achike, he might make Akene happy with a song. He might take music that had been two pieces and make them one. He might loop them both together and play them out to please Akene. Two favorite things of his, noticed and known and offered. Or he might fly into Heathrow a week late, cursing the director all the way home and let himself into the flat at one in the morning, tiptoeing in so that Akene woke to the sound of him humming a new piece of his own making, woke to the sound of some creation pouring into his ear, as though Achike were feeding him a dream. And how he fed him. Ekene often dreamed about Achike when he was gone. He was gone too much. Ekene always thought to be happy for his friend in his success and to think of him doing great things, but sometimes it was hard. When it was hard for him, he thought about the way good light might hit Achike's face in some perfect scene, or how Achike might inspire someone to write some new thing charged with beauty, or perhaps only to change a scene, knowing it could be better with Achike in it. Sometimes it was enough just to think of Achike, to think of him smiling in good light. Ekene was rewarded for his faith. He would wait for Achike as long as he could, but the trains were late, and filming ran on, and he sometimes fell asleep before Achike arrived at the big flat with its large windows for the fresh, cold light of the day. Ekene slept and dreamed of his great friend in the world, and of his friend coming near while the world kept his distance just outside. And sometimes, after dreaming, he woke to find Achike next to him in bed, barely awake, still singing under his breath. Had he sung all night in readiness?
Over the past three years, Achike had spent more and more time away on set and less and less time at home in Peckham. His career was taking off at speed, and time with Ekene became increasingly precious. Shakespeare productions in pubs with Ekene and their friends, fresh from drama school, became low-budget independent films with up-and-coming directors, became walk-on roles in bigger productions. He played a boxer with bipolar disorder, a longshoreman who hadn't seen his children in weeks and who had exactly eight words to say about it. The role of a plucky juror in a historic trial won him praise from critics. Then there was silence for a couple of months, and Achike wondered if everything that would be had already been and gone. Then one day, Achike received a call from Julian Trent, an agent with a client roster so famous the first few moments on the call had silenced Achike.